on the wire today on the green desk Roman Wilde spoke to Philip Solaris the CEO of Xcroft a company who de- which develops UAVs that is unmanned aerial vehicles for environmental and humanitarian use in New Zealand and the Pacific apart from drones they have more recently begun work on unmanned sea craft one of which named Protus was the topic of th- this interview Along with its many functions for emergency rescue and scientific data collection, it also has the ability to identify and report illegal fishing vessels. Solaris begins by talking about the difficulties posed by fisheries regulation. Anybody that knows much about fisheries, it's a very, very difficult area to police and to enforce. So finding people doing illegal things is one thing, forcing them to conform to uh, regulations and certainly the nation states of the Pacific has been very difficult. In fact, it's a worldwide problem. So the sea craft that we have at the moment that we are doing trials in New Zealand is ultimately destined not only for New Zealand but into the Pacific. And the sea craft has a range of technologies on it. It's quite unique in the world. In the unmanned sea craft designs and craft that are operating at the moment in the world, they tend to fall into two categories. One category is a fairly rapid response type of craft that tends to have maybe one or two days worth of energy in it and often are quite close to the coast. So they have a a limited operating range. The other sort are the sort of scientific drones, uh, if you like. And uh, probably the most famous one of those is the SAIL drone, which circumnavigates the Antarctic. There's been a great success story for data collection on climate change and a whole range of things. So the problem is that in both of those categories, they're very good at what they do. But for example, the scientific drones have very low ability to respond to changes. For example, they can't go and save a boat sinking or any sort of emergency response. Uh, They can't do much outside of their specific role. And so Xcraft, uh, we recognised that there was a real need for something that could do a whole range of operations. So I guess a Swiss army knife type of craft. And this is what our six metre Proteus craft do. They're called Proteus. So they essentially are able to do very long endurance, extreme endurance operations. They are solar powered. They have the ability to stay months, if not years at sea. They collect their own energy obviously. And it's important that it's clean energy. We don't want to add to the problem. There's no point trying to help with things if we're going around polluting the planet. And they also have the ability to respond to situations relatively rapidly. So the best, easiest way to see that is that they can go, say, two kilometers off at the economic zone perimeter of island nations, and they can patrol in those areas. They can patrol in those areas, and if they come across a craft, then they can identify what sort of craft it is. They have AI and object recognition capability on board the craft, and therefore can detect and categorize what they are seeing. 
and they can then carry out a responsive action. The responsive action might be to shadow that craft. They also have a drone on board, a drone landing pad. So they can also send a drone off autonomously to gather information on what they are looking at. So they have some very interesting technologies. And the whole aim of this is to give them the maximum amount of autonomy possible. So they do connect to people, obviously, to give the people decision-making capability. So when they detect something, they will automatically let the operator, if you like, know the people back in the command center on land. Then what happens there is the command center can then tell them what to do. They can say, don't worry about it, go home or carry on with your surveillance of that area. Or they can obviously change any sort of command from anywhere in the world. So th that particular craft really we see a bit like a Swiss Army knife. It has multiple capabilities. It's, its primary function will be around fisheries protection, uh, but it has, if you would like, equally important functions for scientific data collection. So you could also consider them a bit like a floating laboratory where they collect data, sonar data, um, water temperature data, wind, current. There's some very interesting sort of outcomes from that, particularly around emergency response. Of course, uh, the data that can be collected is also data that can be used for looking at climate change, the effects of climate change, the changes of temperature, of uh, sea life that is around the craft, uh, and so on. I was wondering if you could really kind of elaborate on how, you know, detecting the vessels, how that then translates into solving this problem of overfishing. So one of the problems with overfishing is uh, the resources to combat it uh, and the cost of doing that. So, for example, if there's a fishing boat um, out in the Pacific, it's meant to have a signal that is picked up and you should be able to track it. But a lot of boats go dark, they say go dark, where they turn off their transponder and you can no longer see them on that signal, if you like. And so then the race is on to find out what's going on because they could be fishing anywhere. They could be fishing within an island's economic zone and they could be doing all sorts of stuff. So to give you an example of that, if you want to get a satellite photo of that particular area where the boat is no longer sending its signal, so you don't know where it is, that's going to take about 24 hours and it'll cost you about $5,000. So it's very, very expensive. And for small island nations, that becomes incredibly prohibitive. And these people doing illegal fishing know that. So the approach that we have is to use robotic systems so that we can provide a very effective tool to both find, detect and record, categorise what these craft are doing. Now, uh, we believe that this is something that will hold up in a court of law and can be brought to the companies that have these boats. So that's the first step. The second step is then, of course, in recording the information about these boats. We are also giving real-time location data. So we can uh, either call and support to do a more thorough investigation of that boat, or we can have that evidence to corroborate with their own documentation. So if we find that, you know, there's a mismatch, then we know bad things are going on. So it's looking at how robotics can be a more effective tool than traditional tools. If you look at the tools that exist at the moment, I think most people would be quite shocked at how limited they are. And sometimes 
it comes down to something as simple as you know, you'll have a big military show of force where the, maybe the Americans or the allies, New Zealand and Australia, will have a show of, you know, military ships and that sort of thing and fly some fighter planes around. And that happens every now and then. But it actually, it has almost zero effect on the efforts of the illegal fishing people. And you have to remember that these people who do this illegal fishing are very, very well financed. They probably make more money than most island nations, and that's you know each of the companies. So they are very well resourced. They have a lot of ability to know who is hunting them. So it's it's pretty much a battlefield out there. And as the fish resources get tighter and tighter, that becomes more and more of a battlefield. So the approach here is how can we deploy a lot of systems that can actually collect a lot of data and narrow down these targets? And one of the answers that we would suggest is that you make a whole fleet of relatively inexpensive craft. And you, of course, you're talking about a multi-billion dollar problem here. And not only in money terms, but the effect on the the societies in the Pacific that this has illegal fishing is hard to overestimate because it is crippling economies. And just in a time when climate change is forcing them into uh, into a tight corner as it is, um, but it is having a massive impact uh, both on the economies of these small island nations, but on the ecology of these small island nations. So the whole food chain is getting affected. For example, somewhere as remote as Nui. Now, this is a haven for fish. You, you know, you, you dive in the water and uh, it's just a wash with the most beautiful range of fish. But the people there have said that they are watching the depletion of their fish, that they're not what they used to be. And the race is on to figure out, is this just climate change or are there fishing boats coming in and stripping out the sea so much that it's affecting the overall ecosystem? So this isn't a question about fish in my mind. It's a question about whole ecosystems, which, of course, these island nations live off, both from a food point of view, but also for a resource for funding all the other things that go on on their country. You know, so if they're not able to, if you like, enforce fishing licenses and control of fishing, then it's a matter of life or death for these islands. And I think in New Zealand, we get a little bit buffeted from that. You know, we've got all these farms and we can grow stuff. And, you know, it's not quite like that in the islands. So it's a very, very serious thing. It's a matter of life or death for islands that are actually at the moment under huge strain from climate change. And... You know, it's very, very important we do something about it. That was Philip Solaris from Xcroft talking to Bonnie Wild about their use of autonomous sea craft to combat overfishing in New Zealand and the Pacific. That was the Green Desk on 95 BFM. Tihei Modi order.